Hello and welcome. You are listening to Living La Viva Voce. My name is Adam. My name is Meg. And uh, this week we are back following a brief week-long hiatus after slight medical uh, difficulties. Yeah, Adam was on some medication that, you know, we decided it was probably not responsible to be drinking excessively. And I have actually just... um, flown in from the UK so now it's been it's been 10 days and I'm free guys I am so drunk okay can I just say this so we did like some you know drinks and stuff like that in the pre-game which I'm sure I will eventually cut and release and make available for y'all for y'all and that alcohol has just hit me like a truck that's some good stuff. It's That's some, some good stuff. I was sitting here playing on my phone while he was making another set of drinks, having a good time, and it literally hit me like a wave. It was crazy. I can't. I can't wait to come up behind you on that because I'm. I'm oh like, my god. I'm like. I'm still. I'm still pretty sober. I've. I've. Uh, I think I've had about the same amount of alcohol as you. Um, yeah. I had a. I had a screwdriver. You had a. You had like an elderflower screwdriver. <laughs> It's very bougie. Yeah. Oh, look at me! I had elderflower cordial. Elderflower. elderflower. Did you did you water that down actually? Okay, so what I did was about a finger of elderflower cordial, like the concentrate, mm. and then I did two shots of vodka, and then I filled up to make a pint of um, liquid with water. Right. So yes, yeah, so I think we should now just quickly just uh, reiterate. So um, as we do at the start of every episode, mm-hmm. we talk about what we're drinking. Yes. Uh, obviously, because we have been reunited um this week we are actually drinking roughly the same thing right so we're our, our spirit of choice is uh spirit of york uh vodka which for those of you that listen closely you'll know that's my sort of favorite vodka and it's something that meg very kindly brought a bottle or was it two bottles even yeah over? i brought a vodka and a gin a vo- a vod- vodka and a gin that's right um so we'll probably crack out the gin next week for next week's episode i'm actually um I tell you another thing. I'm very excited because I've just ordered a um, vodka from a distillery in the home in in the town that I live in, this, where we are right now. Um, so I'm quite excited to try that. So we might get to try that next week as well. Mm-hmm. So you had a screwdriver with the spirit of York. Vodka. Yes. So two shots of those. I had two shots of orange. Oh, orange juice mixed with two shots of vodka. Yeah. And you've had um, elderflower this, cordial, yeah, which this, is like a. Off the shelf kind of thing, right? Yeah, no, it's pretty. It was pretty. It, it was tasty, but you know, not not a big deal. And then now we are both nursing. I think two fingers of vodka and ginger ale, right? Ginger ale, yes. Canada Dry, Schweppes, Schweppes Canada Dry. Um, so yeah. Um, anyway, so now we've covered what we're drinking. Let's now talk about what we're talking about. So for. Uh, listeners who tuned in two weeks ago and heard me talk about what I was, what was I talking about? I was talking about H I. I was talking about high def. I was talking about high definition. Oh, wow! Seems like eons ago. Eons ago. Eons ago. Anyway, um, yes. For those of you that tuned in last week and heard me talk about high def, uh, you'll know that we're this week we're talking about Imola. Um, and I won't 
add too much foreshadowing to that because I actually don't know what's involved in that. But what I do want to say, and I think I think it's about time we acknowledge this because we are now on episode nine. We have a substantial Italian following. Yeah. Now, we're not sure why yet. We suspect that it's possibly part of the name of this podcast that perhaps attracts um, the speakers of the Italian language. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't dare speculate. Um, but obviously, Imola is, or, or the, at the very least, the, the thing that inspired me, Imola, the racetrack, uh, is in Italy. Um, so I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Well, you know, spoilers, um, it's not going to be about Formula I 1. I knew it wasn't going to be yeah, about Formula 1. Yeah, just because, you know, like, we Too had obvious. an episode. Yeah, exactly. We had an episode that was, you know, that kind of centered around mm. Formula 1, so mm. to speak. You know, Formula 1, it's going on right now. So I just think, I think that would be, like you said, a little too obvious. It's a little too easy. It's not as fun. You know, like, we've done it, right? So I wanted to do something different you can do better yeah you can do better i i would would have been disappointed if i'd have have given you emila and you would have gone i'll just talk about racing yeah also i mean you're more into it you know more about it i feel like it'd be fun if i were to do a topic that like neither of us knew particularly about just so we could really be drunk and stupid and talk out of our ass is that not really what we do every podcast anyway hey can i get can i give you guys like a real message right here this is what academics do uh Yes, we drink to cope. Exactly, and we talk out of our asses. At least humanities people. I won't speak for. I won't speak for. Are we gonna have to beep this? Because this was a family-friendly podcast oh, at it? one oh, point. Shoot. Oh no, I'm really dr- okay. I'm gonna. I don't know. I I think "ass" is probably a PG thirteen word now. No, but I think I said the "sh" word, so I'm, I'm gonna censor myself a little bit and then kind of calm down. <laughs> well, um, we're sorry for the explicit yeah, language sorry. on this track. Um, please do write to your respective communication commissions. Exactly. Write to your MP. Yeah, write, write to your <laughs> MP. Demand that we be taken off air and shot. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, without further ado, uh, we're now five minutes in. Let yes. us begin. And Meg, would you kindly, would you kindly, would you would kindly, you kindly introduce okay. your topic? Yes, I will. Okay, so obviously my topic is Imola. I have to admit, okay, we took a week off, yes, because of illness, uh, and not COVID, by the way, let's just get that out of here, not because of COVID, we, because of illness, because of flying, we also took a week off because I really was hesitant about this topic, like, I know that Adam had chosen because of Formula One, I knew from the start I didn't want to cover that topic, right, because it's been done, um, it's going on right now, right, I wanted to do something a little, a little bit more niche, right, so I just didn't want, to, I didn't want to spend time on it. But actually digging in a little on the topic, I think I've settled on a subject slash person that I think neither of us know um, too much about. That, you know, it might not be a thesis, it might not be an argument, but it's going to be a fun time, I think, for 30 minutes, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, Meg is not going for a PhD this time. It's going to go for it. Meg's just having a crack at trying to entertain. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that the real PhD? Isn't that the, it's the PhD, isn't that the PhD we found along the way? Okay. So, Imola. Okay. For people, (laughs) for like, (laughs) for 50% of our audience that is not Italian, right? Um, Imola is a um, city, it's a township in Bologna, kind of off Bologna, 
Um, it's part of the Emilia-Romagna province, uh, which I've been there. I I went to visit with a friend, um, Italy, and we stayed there for three weeks, and I fell in love with it. It is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. I haven't been to Imola, but I have been to Correggio and Carpi and Modena and, and Parma and a number of other places. It's just been wonderful. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, I didn't want to focus on the area because, like, there isn't too much to talk about. It's such a beautiful place, but there isn't too much to talk about, I think, that, that, that I think would interest us, right? And, of course, there's the Grand Prix. There's the Formula One. Once again, no way. I'm not going to talk about that. It is interesting to note that um, Imola was the location of the consecutive deaths of Ayrton Senna and Roland Ratzenberger. I think that's the name, Ratzenberger, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I believe, um, you can correct me, Adam, led to, like, serious uh, kind of rethinking and safety and kind of, like, organization, right? So, I mean... Yeah, I, I like F one. F one has a F one has a notorious parking. track yeah. record and road safety, and I think once the Italians were like, "We're probably gonna prosecute you for this," yeah. like then they started to go, "Oh, now the Italians are getting serious about it." And, you know, the moment the moment an Italian prosecutor say we're gonna start like you know hanging people out to dry, that's when you should be worried. Yeah. So, anyways. I, I didn't want to focus on that because also it's kind of a bummer, right? Like, I don't, I, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that while we're really drunk and we're trying to have fun. Sure. So, instead, I wanted to focus on, did you know, Adam, that besides the racetrack, there is a structure that maybe commands some tourism that is slightly older than okay. uh, the racetrack by about 400 years. <laughs> Just slightly. <laughs> Just slightly. It is called the... Rocca Sfruzzeca. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Italian listeners. Wow. It is... We've stepped into a landmine. Yeah, well, we have, we have come forth. No, oh. Get ready for the Mediterranean vacation. Get ready for us to sweep you off your feet. So it is this um, castle and fortress. And I want to talk about the um, kind of most famous owners. And for people who are really into the Borgias, for people who are into the Medicis, right? This kind of like crazy italian uh you know get ready people get it's an ready. 18th gonna, century no it's the uh 15th century okay. we're going renaissance we're going italian renaissance okay the title of my presentation is the woman the lady of imola katarina sforza My thesis, I'm so drunk right now. Okay, my thesis was that Katarina Sforza, the Lady of Imola, was a um, badass motherfucker. You're going to have to beep that. <laughs> when I, I had prepared what this. What am I going to beep all of this? When I had prepared this, I had forgotten that we were a family-friendly show. I just think she had such a crazy life directly connected with the um with the catholic establishment with the pope very connected with that and i think she had this really like powerful command of her body that she used to not only birth a whole bunch of kids which i think is just such a feat that we don't talk about enough anymore but then also enough anymore or ever yeah well, i mean hey but but also to um 
lead a bunch of like military victories and like hold a lot of political significance in both Imola and the surrounding areas. So uh, just to, I want to I set this up a little bit. So you're yeah. saying this woman is not only, you know, like you know, a religious wild card yeah. or, or, you know, a powerful mother, but she's yeah. also a sort of, you know, political operator and a, a military strategist. She's a- Okay. Can I say she was obsessed with hunting? She was obsessed with firearms and she may or may not have flashed herself to intimidate um her captors this is this is this is you're basically describing or, or perhaps more accurately this sounds like 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 some sort of like one of the female characters out of star wars yeah, right she like was a she sounds like badass she sounds like like you know feminine but powerful you know yeah. like she she's confident in who she is and her gender and her who she, she was you know, very but she's also like she's ready to rule and yeah. she's ready to be in charge. And like obviously she she knew that she couldn't, you know, because of her gender unfortunately. Did she take advantage of her kids? Yes, she did. Like it was so awesome her life. Okay, let me dive into it. So, Katarina Sforza, she was born in 1463 um, in Milan. Um and she was an illegitimate child of um, a mistress of Galazio Maria Sforza, who is, you know, this kind of, whatever, this, you know, aristocrat of, of the region. Who wasn't an aristocrat? Right, yeah, of course. Right. No. <laughs> okay. Um, she was an illegitimate child, though, right? And so, you know, I think that had something to do with it. That being said, her father actually did kind of rope all of his Ill- illegitimate children in. Um, he was that kind of dad, thank goodness, um, and actually granted all of them a very, very good education, right? So she was given a very humanist education, which of the period is, you know, learning different languages, learning maths, um, learning um, all sorts of different sciences, philosophy. She was very educated. Wow. wow. Um, but more importantly, a lot of horseback riding, a lot of hunting, a lot of um, archery and early firearms. Um, and then government as well. She was, from a young age, she was really interested in government and, like, the way that, like, local and, like, wider um, politics uh, ran. She was always obsessed with that. This sounds like the dad sort of had plans for how to raise boys and was like, I ain't <laughs> changed them to my daughter. <laughs> Let's just chuck them in. But, like, she was really, really, really into that um, to the point where, like, she surpassed her um, male siblings in terms of these kinds of interests, right? She married her first husband at the age of 10. Um, oof, you know, there you go. Um, and her husband, her first husband, uh, Girolamo, Girolamo um, Riaro, um, was made the Lord of Imola, right? And mm-hmm. and um, he was made the Lord of Imola by his uncle, Sixtus IV. Can I, can I pause here? Mm-hmm. Because this is sound really stupid. What exactly is Imola? Is Imola a town? Is it a... Is it a, a state? What is it? Yeah, okay. So, if you can imagine, right, you have... Okay, I can only speak to modern day, right? Unfortunately, I didn't do enough research to kind of... Okay. Because, like, in the 1400s, Italy was not Italy, right? Like, it wasn't sure. some kind of um, amalgamated state. Like, every kind of area was its own kind of state. In right? fairness, you say that, like, Italy now is, like... Yeah, right. Well, really yeah. one amalgamated exactly. state. Exactly. Anyways, 
So, you know, you have the kind of wider area of Emilia-Romagna, which is kind of in, like, northern Italy. Um, and then within that, you have larger cities. Um, so modern day, the larger city and the capital of Emilia-Romagna is Bologna, right? Which you might hear of. Um, yeah. There's a big airport there. And then, obviously, outside of Bologna, there are a lot of smaller villages and stuff like that. Like, smaller towns, you know, there's a palazzo, there's, like, a nice church, there's a nice shopping area, there's lots of houses, farms, and stuff like that. Imola is one of those areas, so it's like a township. I, I think Wikipedia called it a city. I don't, I would not call it a city, right? Like, it's it's not to that extent, but it is a township, right? Okay, alright. So, so, so in the... In the 1400s, Riaro was made the Lord of Imola um, by his by his uncle, the Pope, um, Sixtus the Fourth. And do you know um, Sixtus the Fourth? Um, his sort of, uh, I guess nowadays most famous commission. Uh, oh, can I? Can I? Uh, yes, he guess because his name is Sixtus, right? So you might. Is it like the Sistine Chapel? It is. Yeah, it's the Sistine Chapel, and like. Come on, come on, get in there. Yeah, in there. Yeah, baby. Okay, so needless to say, okay, when your uncle um, is the Pope, you're going to live a good life, right? Like, you're going to have a good time. Because can I just say, nowadays, you know, Catholic Church is kind of a little bit more established. It's, you know, it has a very kind of, if not unsavory sometimes, but, you know, an established regard, right? It, It's hard to challenge the Catholic Church, okay? Wow. <laughs> Nowadays it is. Back then, y'all, it let's just say religion was not the first and foremost priority of, of how you became Pope, right? It was all politics. <laughs> and so when Sixth of the Fourth became Pope, uh, for, for good or for bad, he made sure all of his relatives led a very, very good life and he had the um both the money and the politic, uh, the political affluence to do that. Really, the Catholic Church is just the first organized crime family. Yeah, I. Oh well, let's <laughs> let's be friendly to our Italian listeners, okay? We, <laughs> we cannot afford to lose them. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, hey, Catholic Church, great. Our Italian listeners, beautiful. Italy, yeah. such a wonderful country. Catholic Church, definitely not corrupt and full of pedophiles. <laughs> Thank you, Eurovision. Congratulations, <laughs> Team Italy. Okay, let's get let's get our taxes out of the way. Okay. So the the couple and their family, you know, which was growing, she she would bear a lot of children. Um, they all kind of moved to Rome, right? Um, they settled very close to their extended family. Um, Riaro, very loyal to his uncle. At this point, can I just say, within ten years, guess how many children they had? The two of them. So ten years. Within the ten years, they were married. Yeah. Eleven. No, okay. <laughs> they had about five to six children. Oh. Six children, uh, which thought, is still a lot. I thought I'd, I thought I'd go for a number that was impossible. Like I thought I'd go for like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. So Riaro was very, very much adored by Sixtus the Fourth, and that meant, of course, that his wife, um, you know, really got to live the high life. And she was a celebrity at this point. Let's just say that she was regarded as one of the most beautiful women in uh, Rome. Hmm lived a very lavish life um, and had a really, really good time, right? Uh-oh, guess what happened? Unfortunately, though he may be going to heaven, his corporeal body finally gave out the death of Sixtus IV. Oh, no. Um, and that led to the papal ascendance of Innocent VIII. Oh, no. And 
Unfortunately, Innocent VIII was actually a opponent of the um, Riaro family. Oh, no. Yeah, it was really rough. And so, I, you know, this is something that I think doesn't happen a lot in the modern day. Uh, maybe not to our level, right? Not to our kind of we're class. We're too poor to <laughs> understand poor to inner understand. machinations of the Catholic Church I and, know. like, higher order organizations. Okay, Let's just say that the Riaro um, slash Sforza family, uh, they lost favor really quickly with the changing of, of, of the um, power. Uh, so, guess how, okay, so not only did they, you know, kind of lose this political affluence, but the husband also died at the hands of this rivaling family. What? Okay. Yeah. The Orsis, um, they they got rid of the husband. I don't know. I wouldn't call it an assassination. It's more so like, you know, back then it was really easy for people to die, <laughs> so they just kind of got you give him a little him. nudge. Like yeah, he's, exactly. he's near death. You just got to like just tip him over the edge. Exactly. It, you know, it's not like they hired like a professional hitman. It was literally everything was falling apart. They were so diseased. Like it was very easy to get rid of. You'd them. miss one like one like shot or like oh yeah just oh did I accidentally burst that blister and now like exactly. it's and becoming now you have an infection. Oh boy! Oh poor <laughs> you. Antibiotics. Get fucking ready. Okay. It's another swear. Beep. Oh beep. Ooh, sorry. We'll do like a funny like maraca sound or something. I don't know. Okay. So. Please don't overpromise. <laughs> okay. So of course you know in. In a couple years after, you know, their patron, right, their, you know, very much loved family member had died, Katarina Sforza lost quite a bit. Not only her social and political influence, but also her husband, right? So quite a bit of her financial um, stability as well. Sure. So when her husband died at the hands of this rivaling family, Katarina did what she did best, and she made a bunch of very vulgar threats against her um, opponents. Love it. And Me too. Yeah, right? There we go. Okay, this is where it gets just lovely. So the Orsis actually end up um, uh, capturing her. I don't know. This is one of those... Yeah, they kind of, like, detain her, and they pull this card where they're like, you're a woman, you're a mother... We're going to threaten your kids if you don't behave yourself, right? If you don't kind of just calm down a little bit, let us carry on. Kind of accept that the Riaro and the Sforza family is like kind of put on hold a little bit, right? So what Katarina does is, this is this is a bit of an herbal engine, okay? She stands in her prison cell. She lifts up her skirts and bears her vagina to her em- to her enemies, okay? Like, her bare vagina, she just shows it to them. And she declares, and she dares them, actually, to hang her children in front of her. And she says, in Italian, <laughs> Here I have what's needed to make more, what's needed to make others. Wow. And she basically just says, you know, if you want to kill all of my kids in front of me, Go for it because I have in my body. They mean what, nothing to me. They mean I have the power to, to create more. 
you may have a yeah. dick, but I can create dicks. Exactly. So she was like, good luck. You know, if you want to if you want to tell me to be silent, if you want to use my kids against me, do it. Because I can produce more of my kids. And I'm going to keep fighting. That's a that's a true like 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 1500s attitude or 1600s yeah. attitude. Like kids are expendable. I just got to get at least one to adulthood. Exactly. Good luck. Okay, so this actually kind of intimidated the Orsi family a little bit to kind of, like, leave her and her kids alone because they were like, oh, she's a loose cannon. Like, whatever we do, this it's is like not going to be It's like what you say, anything. just go out crazy crazy. Exactly. So then with a different, like, family friend, right, a different family, um, she ended up getting free, right, getting liberated, and then she managed to kind of assume a little bit more um, political influence and possession over the lands in Imola and the surrounding area. Okay. Then, when she kind of gets a little bit more control, she decides to seek revenge in, I think, the only way that being held you know, hostage allows you to do. So, she imprisons the Orsis. She imprisons all of their families, right? Wow. She takes all of their property and either burns it all to the ground, completely loots it and destroys it, and takes what they gather and donates it all to the poor. But basically wow. takes this family, takes all of their like assets and their properties and their materials and their, their jewelry and everything, and either burns it, gets rid of it, or then, you know, dispenses it to other people. Isn't that crazy? It's very... It's... It's, 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 Robin Hood no, it's like it's like it's like any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he turns to the camera. He's like, "This time, it's personal." Like, oh yes, I love it. Yeah. Okay. And then she gets married to her second husband, right? Because of course, you know, she has, she's very, very, um, you know, outspoken and like, uh, powerful and stuff like that, and like determined, but. I think she was also very pragmatic on what she could achieve with her gender, sure. right? And so she's like, you know what? Let me get like a puppet. Let me get hitched, okay? Um, which might be, I think, a little overstating it because you know there's been research done saying she did really much love her second husband, Giacomo Feo. And then what she does at this point is there becomes a little bit of a schism where there is some loyalty in Imola, um, to return to our topic, <laughs> which is loyal to Katerina's um, eldest son from her first marriage. Mm. And then there's people who become loyal to her husband, or like mm. kind of the second family, right? And we know how messy a second family can be. So, well, you'll be glad... We do. <laughs> you'll be glad to know that instead of an awkward family dinner, Katerina doesn't resort to that and instead of some awkward passive aggressive silence she decides to take all of those that were loyal to her son from her first marriage and execute them and their families so problem solved they don't exist anymore exactly you know she was like how about instead of dealing with awkwardness we'll just deal with that i'll just get rid of them and their families and their properties. You see, that's that. You know, we talk about billionaires like being out of touch with like poor people and stuff, but that's yeah. truly out of touch, right? Like, yeah. mm, 
These people don't agree with me. What shall I do? Oh, well, I just take their lives from them. It is something really interesting. I, I think, like, I don't know to what extent she always had... Bloodlust is not the right word, because I think also that it implies such a strange sure. um, and awkwardly, like, sexist connotation. She was always interested in politics, and she was always interested in this very, like, aggressive weapon kind of violence-based what, way of leading. What I'm always curious, yeah. what I'm curious about as well when we talk about these things, obviously, is you think about Italy just as a country, yeah. right? Or, or not even Italy, but we're talking about Imola and, and Emilia Romana, right? Yeah. And, you know, presumably you had what I'll refer to as peasants, but I'm sure there's a name for it, who, like, you know, toiled the fields, had small homes, you know, they they, they made do with what they had, and that was sort of it, right? So, who was it that she did actually round up and kill? Because it was presumably mm-hmm. just other aristocrats, right? Yeah, it was other. Yeah, I, I don't think she, like she wasn't, got she rid of the peasants. Like, no peasant was going, you know what? I really don't like that, that husband that she married. I think she should have married... I, I'm sorry, no, I don't think she should. I think, I think she should have stayed like true to her first family. Yeah. You know what well, well, what had really happened was that definitely it wasn't like you know the serfs, like the farmers and stuff. It was more so their kind of like family friends, the kind of people on their own level that had planned to actually assassinate her second husband. <laughs> Things were. I think people were very comfortable with just getting rid of you people. Thing right, like at least nowadays you resolve this kind of drama by the tabloids. Yeah, or by the reality. TV show. Yeah, by the reality TV show. It's more so a social death than it is a physical, like a literal <laughs> death. Um, so when she found out that uh, people who were loyal to her son, her her son from her first marriage, um, were uh, plotting to do away with her new husband, she was like, "No, thank you," um, and and just killed them. And a lot of people were like, "You know, you can just imprison them, right?" Or like, "You know, you can just like deport them, or even like destroy their." Like yes. send them a message. Send them to France. They don't speak the yeah, language. That'll right? teach them. But not only was Katarina Sforza determined to assassinate, uh, to execute rather, the people that had made those assassination plots, she also killed their family, their extended family. Like she was like, "No, we're gonna get and rid of." No, people. in fairness, it's kind of smart, right? Because yeah. like, I don't know how many movies you've watched. Well. <laughs> so that's a bit of a setup, eh? But like, the last thing you want to do is like kill the father or whatever. Yeah. And then the son comes back in like ten years t- time, all like Rambo stuff. Now you got to cut the bloodline. Like no, you got You got just. You got to get, get rid, rid of, of like sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, anyone that might like be like. It's time for revenge. I know, but this is. No, but the thing is, you know, when we think about kind of this golden renaissance age of Italy, we kind of make the mistake of applying the kind of like modern um, kind of sentiments of like Catholic Church and of like kind of modern day kind of, uh, you know, ways of doing things. Whereas like back then, you know, like these people were clearly influenced by kind of thinkers like Machiavelli, like just very like to the point, right? Like. If yes. I want to hold control over, you know, my children, my marriage, my land, my, um, you know, kind of political influence, mm. I just got to get rid of some people. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what it is. No, no harm, no foul, you know, no, you know, no grudges or anything. It's just got to be done, right? 
Um, anyways, so she did that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, um, you know, she missed one. No, she didn't miss they one. They got her. Unfortunately, the kind of people you're talking about, right? Like the peasants, um, and then people in between, right? Like merchants and you know other mm. folks. They really hated the idea of their kind of political leader just killing a bunch of people. Yeah, that's a Yeah, what? What so, happens when she runs out of aristocrats? Exactly, right? What happens when she runs out of her friends, right? <laughs> um, so th- she actually, this is at the point where um, she kind of created a lot of ill favor from her people, right? So people, like, really hated her. And I think also it's this idea of, like, a woman who has just gotten, like, really power-hungry and, like, the point that, like, she can start axing people, right, was when people got really, really, really... Yeah, I think this is the thing, right? All of those, like, surf men and all of those, like, merchant men were thinking, well, at least I'm still more important than an aristocratic woman. Exactly. And now, all of a sudden, there's an aristocratic woman that's putting paid to that. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to move on to kind of the third part of our story, which is... You know, like, this is all kind of more, you know, we went from Rome, and then we kind of, she got captured, brought kind of back to Imola. It's, it's more kind of within, like, local Imola politics, local families and stuff. Okay, this is the point towards the end of her life where, you know, you hear of some very big names. The Medicis, the Borgias, um, these very, very big uh, families that are not only um, seeking power within their own areas, but now looking to sp- Expand. Uh, expand, right? And unfortunately, you know, Imola is still pretty small nowadays, and um, it, it just it didn't have the kind of political influence that the Medici's and Borgias, uh, you know, kind of um, already had control of. And so, it's, like, well, it's like that astronaut meme where, like, yeah. he's looking at the Earth and comes up behind him with a pistol. Like, you're, you're just a small fry in a much larger pond. Exactly. Unfortunately, right? So... She ended up getting married a third time um, to a Medici, um, a pretty small Medici, um, who actually died immediately after. Um, I don't, I don't, she loved him. I don't know if she minded that much, right? Um, and then she was captured by the Borgias. Okay, so Cesaria Borgia, um, for people who are fans of the show, you know, he's the really hot one. Um, <laughs> he, he took control of Emma. Right? Who's like, he played by? I don't know, but I think they switch actors. But he's the one with the like the really like wavy Jesus like long oh, hair. Oh yeah, like the son of Jeremy Irons, right? Okay. Anyways, Cesare Borgia, um, you know, kind of in his expansion, took control of a lot of um, areas of of, of modern day Italy, including Imola, um, and he had actually gotten warning about about Katerina, um. People being like, you better watch out for the tiger of Imola. I don't know how much you want to be messing with her. Unfortunately, she did get captured. Um, she got captured. Um, this was after a long kind of um, fight, uh, battle. with. She was trying to command her fortress. She was trying to hold you know, control of her city. It didn't work out. It's fine. Okay. Um, she was in prison, and then she was eventually released. I think at this point she had been very like tired, kind of defeated. She went to Florence, gathered a bunch of her, you know, her wealth, lived with her children, dabbled in alchemy. Love it. You do in your senior age. She, she unfortunately died in her forties, but I think that's not too bad for the fourteen hundreds. Um, and then she died of pneumonia. She basically, she basically formed like a sort of fifteenth century or sixteenth century goop. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, like, she had basically spent her whole life studying military and politics. Sure. Uh, gotten a lot out of it. Kind of uh, relinquished her husbands and children. She was like, you know, I'm going to have a good time here in Imola. Really become the lady of Imola. Become the tigress of Imola. Have a good time. And I think she understood that she could not um, fight the powers of, like, a family like the Borgias, right? Who's, you know, the, the head of the Borgias was already Pope at this point. So, like, or, like, would become Pope. So they were, like, very, very, very big. And they were a huge family. And so, you know, she had a good time. Went to Florence. Had a had a good life. Um, became, you know, lived single. Had a good time. This is... Uh, I'd like to point out, Meg is pitching for a teleplay. So if you're a producer of the Borgias and you're listening to this, yes. you know, Meg's your girl to call. Yes. And I I think just, I, I, I'm like really, I'm really into her. I'm like really enamored by her. Uh, she sounds pretty, she sounds pretty cool. She sounds pretty badass. I, I, I found this story, this story is entertaining from beginning to end. Yeah. Um it's a it's a fun little twist on the in the Imola stroke Amelia Romana sort of sort of narrative. Um, I love insane aristocrats, not so much nowadays, um, but I definitely love in, insane aristocrats in um, in historical times. So yeah, I think that was a really interesting sort of talk on. It's really, I, I, I think. I think there are a lot of these really interesting, really strong, powerful, progressive, and, and really just, you know, like, they don't see the barrier between men and women or between their identity and what they want to do, right? And I think it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, they were able to do that back then. Sort of. But I still think it's amazing to hear these stories, right, of, like, a, a woman like this who who just is so self-assured, so well-educated, so capable that she can just sort of do these things. And, you know, she, she is this... She's unfortunately this outlier, but she is still this remarkable woman nonetheless, right? Yeah. And I think also, you know, kind of coming back to the topic of Imola, right? Like, nowadays, I would argue to say, maybe not from an Italian standpoint, maybe even from an Italian standpoint, definitely from an international you know, British, um, kind of Canadian, you know, North American uh, perspective. Imola is uh, pretty much known for Formula One, right? Well, I mean... No, no, I mean, I don't... I think maybe there's an overtying of Imola's racetrack to Formula One. Like, Imola's racetrack is obviously used for a lot of things. It's used for Formula One, it's used for GP, it's used yeah. for MotoGP... Um, so you know, like it, no, no, but it's, it's known for like racing, but it's right? no, it's known for motorsport. Yeah. I think you know, and and obviously Ferrari in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, there is definitely, there's definitely an over focus on maybe, should we say modern culture? Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because it's Italy as well, right? Like exactly. Italy, you know, when you think about Italy, just in general, you think notoriously of. Well, you think of Roman culture, you think of of, of Renaissance culture, right? Like yeah. the two sort of really big periods of like Italian golden ages, right? And and I think what what I'm trying to get at is pretty much 
um, within a walking distance, right, of the kind of um, modern racetracks. Sure. This really old Renaissance castle and this like reminder that um, what kind of preceded this very modern and I would say quite a masculine sport. You know, I know they're trying oh, to make no. a lot of. No, it's 100% a masculine, masculine sport. It's a, it's a ridiculously right? masculine yeah. sport. Yeah. Because um, I can't think of a, if a lot, if any, like a lot of um, F1 like female drivers. There are. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the punchline. Yeah. There's no yeah. female yeah. F1 yeah. drivers. So, you know, I'll go on to say it is a masculine sport, right? Um, kind of within a walking distance of that, right? You get this reminder of this castle that was technically, of course, commanded by this Lord of Imola, but very much um, by the assumed wife. control by the wife and by the Lady of Imola and the Tigress of Imola, who throughout her entire life, though it was quite short, you know, she died within her 40s, um, she held on to this to this land and to her you know to her home and to this like political influence and she went through husbands and she went through children but like she kept this um this this affinity towards the land um and and towards her home and towards this military fortress i think that says a lot and that's what i wanted to share today is this um kind of older but i think still really like um like powerful tale of of someone in the days gone by i i i think that is i think it's an amazing story i think it's it's huge it's crazy interesting you know um like just these sort of stories because i think this the renaissance period in general is just this crazy turbulent time where you know Obviously, it wasn't progressive per se, but things that were almost unthinkable were now happening, right? Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, a, a, a woman held this much influence, whether or not it was, you know, verbatim or, or verbose and well-known, she did hold this influence, right? Um, and I, I think that's amazing, really. Um, anyway, w- without, without sort of dragging this any on anymore yeah. um you don't want to hear our drunken spiels too for too long no i don't i think we should i think we should i think we should wrap up before before we bore people but no i i i think this is before a i punch story. a hole in the wall before we punch a hole in the wall yeah um i think no, i think this is a remarkable story i think this is a really interesting story i i i love i mean i think i'm gonna deduct a couple of points I'm going to deduct a couple of points because I still think that Renaissance Italy was fairly low-hanging fruit. I know, but, but come but on. it was an interesting story. Yeah, you've never heard of this lady. And it was adjacent to, like, the Borgias, and it was adjacent mm-hmm. to the Medici's and, and uh, the Medici's. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I think it's great to hear these, like, lesser-known stories. Yeah. But I still feel like you know, there was something slightly more original there. But, what the? but I will award you a PhD. What? Yay! I will award you a PhD from Imola Polytechnic. <laughs> Is that what you were searching up? I heard his little clacking between my end no, of the I, sound. I, I made that up because there is no Imola Polytechnic. Hey, now hang on. You're not going to get me a PhD from an accredited Italian university. <laughs> Baby, Imola Polytechnic is an accredited oh, university even okay, if it exists. Okay, well, now I feel a little cheated because I'm getting a fake PhD from a you, you got You got a PhD. I could at least get 
you got a PhD in, a in history. School. you got a PhD in history from a school that's a polytechnic. Oh, right. I'd yeah, say that's an some, achievement. There's some strange... Uh-uh. I'd mess with achievement. Mm-mm. Maggie's not impressed. I am not impressed. I, sh- okay. I should have done more research into, the, yeah, into my schools. Okay. So, now that we're done that, let us wrap up and let me share... One, the uh, word that you have to prepare for um, for our next week's episode, Adam, Uh-oh. and then we'll, we'll wrap up the episode. Okay, so the first one, the word that you have. Okay? The word. So Bird H- is the word. I-J. J. Okay. Adam. We should, hold on, sorry. Okay. I do want to say, we need to get like a voiceover guy that's like, J-J-J-J. Like a, like a really dramatic, like, J. 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 Or in modern family. J. Okay. So, Adam, your uh, letter is J, and your word for next week is. A juggalo. It's going to be. Oh, my lord. I am very excited. I'm going to die. Oh, my lord. I think it's gonna be a fun topic. Hang on, I think it's better than Imola. I think Juggalo is fucking whack. I mean, effing whack. <laughs> Meg is just dropping f bombs and s bombs left, right, and center. So I'm gonna be much better behaved next week. Guys, notice that I haven't sworn once during this podcast. I'm I'm a good boy. I good boy. am drunk. Okay. Anyway, should we wrap this up? Anyways, okay. So, if you like what you heard, um, please check us out at our Facebook page, Living La Viva Voce, um, Living with an N and apostrophe, because we're like that. Or check out our um, Twitter, um, at Living Viva, L-I-V-I-N-V-I-V-A. And, you know, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, whether you're listening to this on Spotify, whether you're listening to this on Google Podcasts like we do, uh, when we listen to our podcasts, or, or any other podcast service, we're not we're not picky. We try and be on as many platforms as possible. Just hit that subscribe button. You hit that yeah, subscribe button. The moment, these, moment these go up, the moment these go up, you'll get a notification. We're going to go, hey, by the way, new episode, Live in La Viva Voce ready for you to listen to you want to listen right to two plastered phd students talk about nothing for like 30 minutes go for it yeah, i mean you want yeah. this is a this is a fun friday afternoon treat and if i if i'm being honest with you and, and this is my personal opinion okay we're getting deep here. this is personal i think this is better than the friday disney plus releases all right you think you now think, hang on you think me. whatever marvel's putting on you think whatever like star wars is putting on is good this is better and this is free. This is free. You know what Catherine Katarina Sforza did? Disney has the ability to do Disney that is us. the Borgias and we are. They're, they're going to come for us. We're the shorts. That's how we know we'll make it when we get sued by Disney. We get sued yeah. by Disney for When slander. Disney is like, okay, that's it. Time to crush Yeah, Disney. we're going to have to. Sorry, we're going to have to kill you and your family. No crush. You know, no harm, no foul. When you wish upon a star. You know, you're sad. So. <laughs> Mickey, a Mickey Mouse mascot just comes around just from the silence pistol. Just garrots us. Just open the door. It's just Mickey Mouse to death. It's it like Scarface. Oh, I'm going to get a pistol like, bam, bam. 
Oh, Mickey does what Mickey has to do. It's Goofy that goes yuck, yuck, and just abolishes us in direction. But it's what Disney has to do to, you know, maintain its uh, great Market dominance. Exactly. Okay, well, with that really, really dark, corrupt image, um, that's how we're going to end in our episode. So, um, I've been Meg. And I've been Adam. And thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to you tuning in next week. And like I say, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Yeah, do it. See you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.